And if you don't, nothing comes to mind, just ask Agassiz. And if nothing still comes to mind, I can't think. That means you've already confessed. Are you serious? The stupid word that I say, that you have to say. somebody who's led worship for a while, but also more than that, 
he has a heart for uh, the psychosis, and for people because even though you hear us playing music up here, this is very secondary. The relationships and the growth in our personal lives with Jesus Christ, they really matter. And God has knit us together in a beautiful, beautiful way. And these worship teams that we have serve us. And, and I'm uh, saying, like, then I, I said, you need somebody who's done this for a while and who's a mature believer. I said, and this is at the top of my head, I said, send them like your brother. I said, what's he doing? <laughs> oh, he's in this mega church in, you know, Cincinnati, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, somewhere big city. And I said, oh, okay. So we kind of let it go, and when the search committee was formed, we laid out what we were looking for, and when the resumes came in, unbeknownst to me, or then his brother applied for the job. And then I was all the committed, and so then, of course, as soon as that happened, Ben stepped off the committee, and, uh, and the committee got back together and looked over all these nine resumes that we got, we read through them thoroughly, and it, all of us came back unanimously saying, this is the guy. We only done a part tonight, and then nobody else. And so we did that, and... Uh, we offered him the job, he accepted the terms we offered, and now he's coming next week. Now, that doesn't mean you have to vote for it, but I'm telling you, to have seven people come together and everyone on the search committee say they read all the resumes, this is the job. Nobody on the cut, nobody else. And it's such a blessing. When I say that, okay, I'm going to try not to cry. <laughs> this has been the greatest blessing in my life. Twenty-four years, I've had the privilege of leading this church in worship. And you guys know, hopefully by now you've seen all my thoughts and shortcomings, but God has blessed me amazingly with this gift. And I'm so excited to hand it out. And uh, hopefully you'll still let me come to music once in a while. I think, yeah. Nate and I are talking about that, but the thing is, it's just going to be like from, from start to finish, and you guys are going to be so glad. So. Oh, 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 oh,
his patient, and uh, he called him up on the phone, and uh, he, he said to the patient, when he answered the phone, he said, hey, I got, I got bad news for you, and then I got worse news for you. And so, so the patient said, well, what's the bad news? And he said, well, uh, we, we did all the tests, and you've got about 24 hours to live. And as you can imagine, the patient was in shock and said, that's, that's really bad news, but what could be worse than that? And well, the doctor said, well, uh, it's taking me about 24 hours to get a hold of you. <laughs> I'm trying all day to get a hold of you. <laughs> so this morning, I don't have bad and worse news. I got good news and better news. <laughs> the good news is Jesus died for you. He died for me. And he died to erase all of our sins. And washed away. And you're clean. You're healed. You're forgiven. By his grace. And I got even better news. <laughs> even better than you can say, well, what, what's better than that? Well, not only did he die for us, he rose again from the dead to give us everlasting life, to give us eternal life. Jesus said, if I live, you too shall live. Isn't that amazing about grace? It's not just God's mercy that he turned away from our sin, it's that he actually turned toward us and he gave us something that we can never deserve, never earn. He gives us eternal life. Life with him and life together. Isn't that awesome news? This is the glorious gospel. So over these last few weeks, we've been meditating on what does it mean to be a community being transformed by Jesus Christ. This is our vision. This is, this is why uh, we believe God has brought us together. This is our future together. This is what we're striving and believing and trusting God for, that, that he will make us a community, that he will make us a people that he will make us a community that's being transformed. God loves us enough to be in relationship with us, but he doesn't leave us as we are. He changes us. He transforms us. And he does this through Jesus Christ. And so our vision is really towards Jesus. It's all about him, and it's for him, and that's why we exist. And so, as we've looked over these three weeks, how, how does this become real? How does this become a reality? We, we experience God. Each one of us, personally, powerfully, experience God in his grace, in our lives, in his presence, and only he can do in us. And then we embrace grace, and we experience that, uh, that incredible love and grace of God in Jesus Christ. And then we begin to engage others. And that's what we're going to be looking at today, that, that we're called to, to love God with all our heart, soul, and strength. And we're called to the great commission to go and make disciples. And so how do, we, how do we do this? How do we engage others with this kind of love? And so that's what I want to reflect on with you this morning. We were turning the Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5, and we've been, we've been spending a lot of time in, in Ephesians this past uh, week, because, or three weeks, because uh, Ephesians is really God's uh, blueprint for the church. So if, you, uh, if you're an architect or a builder, you need blueprints what, to show you what, it, what are you building, what's being made here, what's being uh, built. And uh, the Bible uses that building metaphor a lot about the church. It also uses the metaphor of a family. It uses the metaphor also of a bride or a body, so many. But, but Ephesians is really the blueprint. It tells us and shows us what God is building. And it's not buildings, it's 
people that God is getting together, not why it doesn't say the community being transformed. And as we go through Ephesians, we see that it's personal, each one of us being called into relationship with God himself through Jesus Christ by grace alone. But then as we read Ephesians, we're going to see the evidence of a transformed life. And then at the end of Ephesians, we begin to be encouraged of why God calls us together, why he's building the church, and it's for a purpose. And it's not just for ourselves. <laughs> As we began the series, we, we began with the premise that that church, it, it exists not, not for ourselves, but for something greater, for God, first of all, for the love God with our heart, soul, and strength. But it's also so that we may love others. And then there's this eternal purpose that God has to bring his glory and his salvation to all people for mission of discipleship of all nations. And the church is the means by which God accomplishes this goal. If you read in Ephesians 5, uh, you begin to see in verse 8, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Did you know that's my story? I was trapped in my sin, but God had mercy on me, he had grace on me. And so many of you have that story, and it looks in lots of different ways. But now you are light. We are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of light consists of goodness, righteousness, and truth. And so what, what, is, what is God doing? He's, he's building a people. He's calling a people to be his own for this purpose of transformation. That we have a story, a testimony of our lives being changed. And what's the characterization of that story? Goodness, righteousness, and truth. Verse 10, and find out what pleases the Lord. I love that verse. <laughs> find out what pleases the Lord. That's, what, that's what, why we come every week together. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. That everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. And this is why it said, and remember, the context of this is Paul's talking to the church, the people of God. Our purpose. Why is God calling us together? It says, wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. It reminds me of in Revelation chapter 1 where, uh, and 2 where Jesus speaks to the churches in Ephesus. He says, remember your first love. <laughs> Do what you did at first. Wake up. Come back to me. Remember what's important. Verse 15, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. See, God's purpose for the church, for us, it's bigger than just gathering here on Sunday. Like, this is important. This is, we need the reminder that life's not about us, that it's about God and how we can be uh, his instruments, servants, priests, priests, children in this world to bring his love and grace. But God is transforming our lives. And throughout this series, I've tried to share stories, stories about people, whether it was Ed Schubach, the first pastor, or Mary Doser, was sharing some of my own story last week. It's in our lives that the reality of 
who God is and what he's doing gets expressed and known. We become lampstands, we become witnesses, we become messengers, ambassadors of what God is doing in the world. I invited a, a very special person. I'm going to invite Wayne um, Karna to come on up. Um, so, I'm going to turn up the car. So I'm not Wayne. Uh, Wayne's been coming to Rimrock, I don't know, for a while, for a long time, but 13 years, but he's always just sat back in the back, so I never really talked much with you, Wayne, but um, Wayne lost his uh, dear wife, Linda, and, uh, and so through that terrible time, I got to meet Wayne and his family and, uh, and walk with him through that, but, you know, as a pastor, it's a real privilege to watch um, what God does in your lives. Uh, uh, humbling. But I've watched over the years, either people, when they go through really t difficult things, either they turn towards God or they run away from God. But what I observed in Wayne is he turned towards God. And it's been a real privilege, Wayne, to get to know you over the last uh, year or plus and see what God has done in you. And so I asked Wayne to come and just share his his salvation story, his new birth story, and his transformation story. So he's going to share a little bit of that with us. Good morning. But when I sobered up, that misery was still hanging on me. And life went on. One day, a beautiful woman by the name of Linda came into my life. We fell in love. We got married, had children. I tried to carry my drinking habit into our marriage. She put up with that nonsense for a while. Uh, one day she said, I come home intoxicated one day, she says, she said, she says, uh, you do something about your drinking, otherwise uh, me and the children are leaving. And, I didn't want that, but uh, anyway, I uh, did quit drinking, and uh, uh, which was good. However, that misery was still hanging on me. Twenty-five years ago, my son uh, 
uh, thankfully married a woman. And it turned out that uh, her stepdad was a preacher. Well, because of that, uh, my son and her went to church regular, to his church. One day uh, she asked if I wanted to join him. I said, yeah, I would. And uh, I went a few times and I'm thinking, I'm kind of liking this. I want more. So come every Sunday morning, I was ready to go to church. Well, I didn't realize it at the time, but this was the beginning of my first ever relationship with God. And uh, it was, uh, I'd say a year went by. One day I'm at work. I was a, uh, a heavy equipment operator. And uh, I was, that particular day I'm running a front end loader and just doing my, my job. And, and sud suddenly I feel a strong force come over me. It lasted only about a, uh, I mean, it was just like a split second feeling. And I stopped the loader and I'm looking around and I'm thinking, what in the world was that? And I, I uh, couldn't see anything. And so I went back to work. Well, as, as the days went on, I come to realize that I had a new birth transformation. And I was, I found myself thinking completely different. I, I was becoming humble. I was thanking God for all my blessings. I, uh, uh, I discovered I had even quit cussing. And, and that uh, I, I was, uh, I was just uh, very thankful for everything. I wasn't taking things for granted or, uh, and just appreciating things. But uh, the real sweet thing of this is that as time went, I, I was no longer dealing with that misery. It was gone and it's been been that way, like I say, for 25 years. Anyway, you know, before I go, I had a thought about this story, and uh, I'd like to share that with you. Uh, I got more I thought about it. I, I thought, uh, this isn't really my story. It's a story about God. And the reason I say that is in two ways he revealed himself and uh, the one way is that if he can he can change a life within a split second he's a powerful God he's a powerful God and the second way is that uh, if he is willing to save an undeserving sinner like myself. He's got to be a loving, caring, compassionate, forgiving God, one that's full of mercy and amazing grace. Thank you for letting me share this. How was that?
I don't know if you guys realize that part of the transformation is when I first met uh, Wayne's daughters, they said, uh, he probably won't say very much. He likes to be quiet and not be in front of people <laughs> or talk to people. But I tell you, as I prayed about, God, where's a story in our church of someone who's engaging others? Wayne was the first person that came to mind because uh, Wayne's been reaching out to others, sharing with others, inviting others, blessing others, loving others, and uh, speaking in front of the church, Wayne. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> can't believe you did it. <laughs> I can't either. It's got to be God, right? It's got to be God. But isn't that true for all of us? It's not our story. It's God's story. And when we come to Christ, we re- begin to realize that. Like, this, this world's all about itself. Like, everyone's just trying to make a name for themselves. They're trying to get money. They're, try- they're chasing everything, right? But as Christians, we come to this place where we say, we can't save ourselves. We can't do this on our own. We can't, we can't go through the trials, the difficulties, the hardships of this life. We can't. We need help. <laughs> so we cry out, help. <laughs> help us, God. And when we do that, something powerful changes in a split second. The power of God. That's why Paul says the gospel is the power of God for the salvation. Something shifts in our lives where we realize we can't, we can't fix it ourselves. We can't save ourselves. We need God to do something. And he does. <laughs> He does it. He does a miracle. He changes us. He makes us into new kinds of people, new creations. I don't know if I can continue after that. I just want to read out of Ephesians chapter 6. We read this earlier uh, this week. uh, A dear brother here uh, challenged me. He said, Ben, we... In Acts 2, it says, uh, you know, they devoted themselves to prayer. And we pray a lot, but he says, when do we pray in the, in the worship gathering? So we, we set aside time to pray this morning. I want to set aside more time for prayer. Uh, Ephesians 6 says, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. And pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given so that I will fearlessly Make known the mystery of the gospel. You guys just witnessed that this morning as Wayne stood up here fearlessly saying, look at what God has done. For which I am an ambassador in chains and pray that I may also declare it fearlessly as I should. And I think Paul said that not because, I mean, I think Paul had a special apostolic call, but he shared that with the church in Ephesus in the letter about the blueprint of the church because he wanted us to be known as a people who, who love God or totally dependent on God, on his grace. We're, we're all about what God has done in us, but it's not just for us. It's to be shared. It's to be proclaimed. And so we're to be others-oriented, not only in our prayer, but in our gospel proclamation that we have a hope, and it's Christ. We live in a broken world. <laughs> this world is falling apart. What's God's solution? It's the gospel in us. Lives transformed in a hopeless world, drowning in whiskey, depression, suicide. All, what you, put, you fill in the blank. <laughs> There's so many things, right? What's the hope? The gospel of Jesus.
I want to read in 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 21. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and raised again. May that be true of us as a church, that we're not just living for ourselves, <laughs> that we are coming back to that first love that Jesus talked about, that first love for God, that love for other people, because Jesus did something for us. Verse 16, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, but we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer, and so our, our minds are changing, our view is changing, how we go through life is changing, we're being transformed. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. Do you believe that? Do you believe that you're a new creation? That God has a purpose for you? All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. Did you hear that? Church, <laughs> not just the pastor, all of us. You are Christ's ambassador. I am Christ's ambassador. We are the priesthood of believers. God has called us. How will they know unless we're sent, unless you go? This, this is the DNA of the church and God's purpose to engage others with the gospel. And we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteous. Did you hear that? What's our testimony? It's not our church services. <laughs> it's you and I in our families, with our kids, with our spouses, in our neighborhoods, <laughs> in our small groups. Wherever we go, we are the light. Remember what we read in Ephesians 5, that you are the light? <laughs> You are the light. You are the salt. If the light doesn't shine and the salt isn't salty, what will happen? No, this is, God has given us his plan, his purpose to bring redemption to our world. We're gonna celebrate communion this morning. Um, this week, as I was thinking about this mission statement of engaging others, um, I was sitting in a coffee shop with a dear uh, brother here, and a, wo a woman walked up, gave her a hug, and you know what she said? There was a day where my life totally changed because of what you showed me and shared with me. And uh, she gave this incredible testimony of life transformation, but it was through a brother, part of the church. This week I talked to another brother who talked about his work and he was talking with a client who was depressed and suicidal and he got to share the good news of Jesus in the workplace. Those are people who maybe never come into the church on a Sunday, but the light was shining through his people for his glory. I'm gonna invite the elders and the ushers to come up and we're gonna take communion. I want you to grab the, the bread and the cup and I want you to hold on to it so one thing we do when we gather on Sundays, it's really important that we take the Lord's Supper. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. It's, it's an ordinance, it's a command, it's something he called us to do, why? 
because we need to remember our first love. We need to remember God's uh, love for us, of forgiveness. But we do it together. This isn't a private thing. We do it together as the people of God, as the church, because this is part of our proclamation. This is part of our gospel proclamation. (laughs) That Jesus died for us and that we are totally dependent on him. He is our bread. He is our everything. So we're going to pass this out. I want you to take it and hold on to it and then we'll take it all together. Abba wants 
He wants you. Let's sing it to the world. you think, why, why is this God's solution um, to the complex problems in our own world, in our lives? And we just think, man, it could it be that simple that, that God loves us, that he wants us, that he wants a relationship with us. But, but Jesus, when he sat down with his disciples, he put it this way. He said, this is the blood of my covenant. You see, God's a, a covenantal God, and he knows it's only through covenant that mankind can be saved and delivered and restored to our original design. We were made to be in relationship. Relationship with God and relationship with one another. But the world's broken. We're broken. And so the solution was, Jesus said, you can't fix it, but my body can. So it said, he said, my body will be broken for you. So he said, take this bread and eat it and remember this, that my body was broken for you. After eating the bread, he told his disciples, he said, take this cup and drink it. He said, this is the blood of the new covenant that I'm making with you. God loves you. He loves us. He loves his people. And he's going to keep his promise. And he said, one day, I will drink it again with you in the kingdom. <laughs> and so what we're doing today is a foretaste of that day when we will be at the marriage supper of the Lamb all together, all will be made right. No more tears, no more death, no more sorrow, no more struggle, no more misery, right, Wayne? 
And so we look forward to that day and knowing that he's doing that good work in us right now. Let's drink in Jesus' name. If I can uh, get you guys to stand, we're going to sing the first chorus to that song because we want to declare this as true about you. And I know it's so easy to view ourselves through our failures, but God, what Ben just shared, he took care of that. So let's declare this truth. He wants me to say this. He wants me. It's crazy, I know, but he wants me. Just the way that I am. Not the way I should be, Abba wants me, my God wants me, he's crazy I know, but he wants me, so I run to his arms, and I cling to his heart, Abba My God wants me. We're going to sing the second verse because this is our challenge as we go out of this room today. Say, when millions of people are dying to know that someone wants them, but all that they've known is rejection. From people like me and like you While Jesus cries out to his children Please open your eyes now and see The way you are treating me is broken Is the way that you are treating Join with my spirit and sing. Declare it. Say he wants you. It's crazy, I know, but he wants you. Just the way that you are, not the way you should be. I wants you and me. My God wants you. It's crazy, I know, but He wants you. You can run to His arms, you can cling to His heart. Abba wants you. My God wants you. Oh, we declare it. My God wants me. My God wants you. Amen. Let's carry that out. Be sure to join us this evening at 4.30 if you want to come have fun with the nervous turtles and eat some good barbecue. Amen. God bless.